If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! It has become my trademark, and I wouldn't change it for a more natural voice with a British accent. I am told that children who need a computer voice want one like mine. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and today we're talking about voice synthesis and voice banking, starting with the most famous user of voice synthesis, the late British theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking, whose voice you just heard. Dr. Hawking was notable for his brilliance, his strength and tenacity despite an early diagnosis of progressive motor neuron disease, and for his speaking voice, which really wasn't his, but he made it his own. The voice he used was that of MIT researcher Dr. Dennis Klatt, a late 20th century pioneer in human voice synthesis and assistive technology. Dr. Klatt used his own voice to create the algorithmic voice known as Perfect Paul, a voice chosen by Hawking and so many others to be theirs. It was part of one of the earliest voice synthesizers, the Speech Plus Call Texts 5010. We've come a long way from Perfect Paul in terms of vocal variety and process for those requiring this kind of assistive technology, thanks in part to our own Nemours in-house pioneer in the field, who takes his knowledge and services well beyond medicine, Dr. Tim Bunnell, Director of the Center for Pediatric Auditory and Speech Sciences at Nemours Children's Health in Delaware. He also heads up Model Talker, a small group of Nemours scientists who help create synthetic voices for people around the world, applying the latest technology and research, including predictive analytics. They even provide the chance for people to bank their own voices, if able, or for you to bank a voice for someone else who might need one. Dr. Bunnell and I spoke about all of this recently. We've enhanced that with additional audio courtesy of the ALS Association of Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. So let's get started by having Dr. Bunnell provide a history of voice synthesis technology and research and development generally, and here at Nemours. Here's Dr. Tim Bunnell. Being a pediatric healthcare organization, we were mostly interested in being able to help children who have speech problems. A classic example is a child with cerebral palsy who has enough dysarthria that they're really difficult to understand. For children whose speech is really difficult to understand, the field provides what are called speech-generating devices. And these are tools that allow a child to input what they want to say to a computer, and the computer then renders that as speech that someone can listen to. We're now working on our fourth decade of this project. Uh, We started in the 1990s, charged really with trying to develop natural sounding child voices. And if you think back to the 1980s and the 1990s, 
Um, that sort of uh, technology was very robotic sounding. There was perfect Paul and beautiful Betty and crazy Kit. Uh, and those were the voices for kids and adults who needed augmentative communication, who needed speech generation devices. I can recall being in meetings in the 1980s and 90s and sitting in a room with multiple augmented communicators, all of whom were using either Perfect Paul or Beautiful Betty as their voice. And you can imagine how confusing it would be uh, when you've got the same voice coming at you from three different directions and you're never quite sure because of the body language it was maybe not what it could be to even understand who said what. So one of the things that we really wanted to be able to do was to create personal voices for people so that everyone had their own voice, even if it wasn't maybe a very natural sounding voice, it would at least be unique to them and personalized. At that time, we did all of our recording just with voice talent who would come into the lab, children, voice actors, and so forth to do the recording. And we constructed synthetic voices manually, one bit at a time, with uh, students in the lab actually editing waveform files and pasting things together to form what we call diphones. Diphones, by the way, are a unit of speech made up of two simple speech sounds known as phones. Phones are generally either vowels or consonants. And the model talker system at the time wasn't actually called model talker. But it was what was called a diphone synthesizer, which meant that there were about 2,400 distinct diphone units that was used to synthesize any possible American English utterance. It sounded pretty choppy and blocky, but it was intelligible for the most part. At the time, it was sort of uh, cutting-edge technology. By the 2000s, we had expanded the technology a lot, moved away from diphone synthesis and into what's ultimately called unit selection synthesis, where instead of having just a very small inventory of little segments that we could paste together in novel ways, we have full recordings of fluent speech from a talker, many, many more. And we use uh, computer search algorithms to search through the recordings and find the bits and pieces that are needed to paste together to produce a more fluent sounding and more natural sounding utterance. And that was the technology of the 2000s that was called unit selection, is still called unit selection. Until very recently, the voices that you're probably used to hearing in commercial devices like Siri and Alexa were actually unit selection voices. The major difference between Siri and Alexa and a model talker voice is that, of course, Siri um, has, I think, 20 or 30 hours of running speech recorded, of course, by voice talent under studio conditions and managed by a significant amount of laboratory processing to get that voice sounding as smooth as it is. Whereas a model talker voice typically has around an hour of actual speech in it instead of around 20. Uh, so it can be very difficult for, for them to reproduce the level of professional quality that, that one would hear from Siri or, or Alexa. But one of the things that we realized in the 2000s was that with the expanded technology still geared originally towards children, we were able to offer uh, personalized voices to anyone who was able to record the speech samples and then started um, trying to provide a model talker service to clients who 
perhaps were diagnosed with a neurodegenerative disorder, ELS or MND as it's called in the UK, uh, were among our, our earliest clients. And today they're among the most frequent clients as well. Then moving on to the 2000s, we moved from just doing unit selection voices to doing uh, what's now called parametric synthesis, where instead of trying to actually cut up recordings of speech and paste them together in novel ways, we build numerical models of the speech and then generate the speech waveform uh, de novo from those models rather than from bits and pieces of previously recorded speech. The advantage of parametric synthesis is that it can often sound a lot smoother and more natural than uh, the unit selection voices. The disadvantage is that a good unit selection voice typically sounds much more natural because you're really listening to natural recordings that are just reproduced in a, in a novel uh, arrangement of segments rather than uh, something that's generated from scratch. But the technology is changing and, and some of the, the latest voices with Deep neural network technology are actually very hard to distinguish from natural speech. And in fact, that's the kind of voices that we're working on right now. At the moment, we're working with hybrid DNN voices. These are voices that use a little bit of DNN technology and a little bit of unit selection technology, but they're a clear improvement over the old original unit selection voices. And now about 60% of the people that we make voices for end up preferring a hybrid DNN voice to the unit selection voices, although we continue to offer both of them. Our research focus for this decade and, and beyond is to continue to improve the, the quality and naturalness of speech while simultaneously uh, reducing the amount of speech that one needs to record in order to produce that really not natural sounding voice and to add more expressiveness because to date, synthetic voices are still extremely difficult to produce expressiveness with. If you think in natural conversation of the way we can say yes and mean 20 different things or no and mean maybe 30 different things with a synthetic voice, every time you say the word yes, it's going to come out sounding pretty much the same as every other way, every other time you try to say yes. So expressiveness is that ability to modulate this tone of the voice to make it really carry much more meaning than it would otherwise that, than just the words alone mean. That said, let me give you a, a little bit of a description of where we stand right now as a, as a project in terms of the types and, and number of voices we make. On average, our lab is producing between five and 600 voices per year for primarily ALS, MND patients. We do produce voices for people all over the world and almost equal share of our clients are from the UK with a fair number of people from New Zealand and Australia also uh, contributing voices, and of course, Canada, as well as the U.S. We even have made several voices for people in Singapore using what's called Singlish for the Singaporean English that's spoken there. Our technology is now, as I mentioned a moment ago, largely hybrid DNN, but we are still making also the standard voices. And I'll give you an example of what those two technologies sound like so you can hear them up close and personal, as it were. Arthur the Rat. Once there was a young rat named Arthur, who could never make up his mind. Whenever his friends asked him if he would like to go out with them, he would only answer, I don't know. He wouldn't say yes or no either. 
he would always shirk at making the choice. Even his Helen said to him, Now look here. No one is ever going to care for you if you carry on like this. You have no more mind than a blade of grass. So that was a unit selection voice. And although it sounds very natural in terms of the voice quality, you may have noticed that there were a few jumps and, and, and even a single place there where a word was actually missing from the, from the synthesis because of the way that the speech came out of the analysis process. Here, by contrast, is the same utterance of the same speaker, but now using our hybrid DNN technology. Arthur the Rat. Once there was a young rat named Arthur, who could never make up his mind. Whenever his friends asked him if he would like to go out with them, he would only answer, I don't know. He wouldn't say, yes, or, no, either. He would always shook at making a choice. Even his Aunt Helen said to him, now look here. No one is ever going to care for you if you carry on like this. You have no more mind than a blade of grass. So as you might have heard with that, with that example, the speech has a slightly less natural voice quality, uh, but in general, the flow was better. One of the words that was missing was back again in the, in the uh, utterance that's produced by modeling the speech rather than by cutting it up and just pasting it together again. So those are the two technologies that we work with. We used to have a set inventory of just 1,600 utterances that we asked everybody to always record. Uh, we changed that with the latest version of the website to use 3,155 or almost 3,200 sentences and as many custom phrases as they wish to add so that it's possible to produce a fairly large inventory of speech now. When we tell people to go at it and start the standard inventory. However, we let them know that if they can get to at least 400 sentences, which is a really relatively small amount, probably you can record 400 sentences in a couple of hours and be done with it and have a voice. So it's possible to make a voice with a relatively small investment of time. But the, the important thing for everybody to understand is that the more you record, the more likely the voice is going to better represent your own natural voice quality. So there's always some incentive to, to record a little bit more than that 400 sentences. But I wanted to give you an example of the two technologies and the trade-offs related to the number of sentences that you record. So I picked three cutoff numbers that people often use, uh, the minimum number of sentences being 400 and the maximum number of sentences, and then what was our old standard of 1,600 sentences. This is a recording and a voice built from one of our, our voice talent recorders. So even at 400 sentences, his recordings are actually pretty good. And that does make it a little bit difficult to do the demonstration that I wanted here, but hopefully you can hear some of the differences nonetheless. So here's a, a 400 sentence inventory using unit selection. The birch canoe slid on the smooth planks. That had a couple of little jitters and misses in it. It, it might have been quite difficult for you to hear if you're not used to listening to this type of speech. By comparison, here's the hybrid DNN voice built from the same set of sentences exactly. The birch canoe slid on the smooth planks. And that last word, planks, still sounds a little bit strange. It actually has something to do with the way the voice talent recorded that, that word at one point, and there's not much we can do about that because it's modeling his recording, even with the hybrid DNN voice. But you may have noticed that the hybrid DNN voice sounds smoother 
than the unit selection voice did. A little bit more naturally paced, if you will. Then let's just jump down and, and listen to the most extreme number of sentences that could be recorded for this talker. The birch canoe slid on the smooth planks. We still have an on-sounding plank, but, but everything else there was flowing much more naturally. And when we listen to the hybrid DNN voice at 31 and 55 sentences. The birch canoe slid on the smooth planks. It actually sounds a little bit more almost robotic because you can hear the difference in voice quality. So one of the things that we've noticed is that talkers who are speaking fluently and able to record all 3,155 sentences do more frequently choose the unit selection voice because it's a better representation of their natural voice quality, whereas talkers who are unable to record that number of sentences for whatever reason tend to be more likely to choose a hybrid DNN voice, which sort of makes up for what's missing in the unit selection recordings. That's fascinating. How has this benefited not just the patients here at Nemours, but it sounds like patients around the world, you reference ALS, it sounds like this is something that is quite well used in that community as well. Yes, I'd have to say that the number of voices that we have created for ALS and other patients who are adults is far greater than the number of voices we've actually created for children simply because the population of people who are able to record their own voice and know that they're going to lose it is almost entirely adults. But Nemours has been very kind to allow us to continue to operate this voice banking service, which benefits people all over the world who are English speakers. There's, for instance, a high school and college program in the UK for patients who are nonverbal. And for those folks, they select a voice donor who is able to do the recording. Maybe they have the same English dialect as the target speaker. They may even be a sibling who actually sounds much like that person would sound if they were able to speak. And we're able to generate donated voices for people, children who are dysarthric and provide those voices to the patients. Let me ask this. Do you know any firsthand stories where this has really changed a life? Well, sadly, yes, these are ALS patients. It's difficult because most of those life-changing events are also unfortunately short. But people greatly value that ability to communicate. It's one bit of their identity that they hold on to, to the end. Do you ever worry in this world of deep fakes that this could be misused? I think that is a concern. It's not a large concern. And at this point, the technology does exist to still distinguish between deep fakes and real voices. Sometimes it's, it's difficult for you and I as listeners to tell the difference, but there are tells in the way the speech is generated that allow you to detect that this has not been for real. But, you know, the technology is only improving. It used to be that you didn't need a computer to tell you whether it was a deep fake or not. You just needed about 30 seconds of listening. Um, and now some things are very, very difficult to tell the difference between a human speaker and a machine speaking, particularly if we're only talking about standard uh, declarative sentences. Where the deep fakes still break down completely is in terms of their ability to 
render speech that's really expressive. That's hard to fake. It is hard to fake. We have an NIH project right now that's just starting where one of our goals is to be able to generate multiple expressive modes in synthetic speech using this technology in conjunction with the small business, uh, where we may spin off some of the technology to the small business. How many people at Nemours are working in the voice banking project? Well, it's really only three or four people. And this is a worldwide project? Yes. We are so lucky, really, that Nemours is the kind of place that, that we can do this research. Uh, we've had plenty of funding from NIH and the Department of Education and other places, NSF as well. But Nemours has always been the backbone of what we do in the speech lab. And being able to do this research here, even though it's the primary beneficiaries tend not to be children, uh, is, is really, I felt very, very lucky to be able to work here in that. What's the future for voice banking? We're getting deeper and deeper into what's called deep neural networks. And again, this is the predictive analytics applied to speech, if you will. We use machines to analyze the speech and be able to predict what an individual talker's speech would sound like if they were able to speak and use that to generate synthetic speech. This is especially our goal for children. We really want to be able to take a voice, maybe a child with dysarthria who's only able to produce a few vowels. If we can model that child's vocal tract with our machine learning models, then what we can do is actually train those models to produce fluent sounding speech that sounds like it should have come from the vocal tract of that child. Dr. Tim Bunnell is director of the Center for Pediatric Auditory and Speech Sciences at Nemours Children's Hospital in Delaware. Learn more about how Dr. Bunnell and his team are taking Nemours voice synthesis and voice banking services well beyond medicine by visiting them at modeltalker.org. That's modeltalker.org. We'll be sure to put that link in the show notes. The Champions for Children podcast features associate stories like that of Dr. Bunnell and so many others. If you have a story to share or you know of one, send an email with your idea to podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. We have a big production team this week, and I am grateful to each and every one of them for their support and assistance, including Che Parker, Cheryl Munn, Rachel Salas-Silverman, and Savannah Pettit, as well as Regan Barton, Paul Jeter, and Callie Vanderbilt from the ALS Association of Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia for providing additional audio for the podcast. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. Tell your friends that they can listen to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast anytime on Nemoursnet, the Nemours Now app, their favorite podcast app, and on their smart speaker. On behalf of Tim Bunnell, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for joining us on this episode of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve.